when it comes to PBMs and prescriptions, what does full transparency actually mean? We'll find out on this episode of Shift Shapers. Change either paralyzes or energizes. The choice is yours. You're listening to the Shift Shapers podcast. You're about to learn firsthand from businesses and entrepreneurs who have successfully shaped the shifts in their industries. Get ready to become the change you want to see. This episode is brought to you by Shift Shaper Strategies. In sales, if you confuse, you lose. Clarify your message so you win more clients, crush your sales goals, and build your practice. Learn more at shiftshaperstrategies.com. And now, here's your host, StoryBrand Certified Guide and Chief Transformation Strategist at Shift Shaper Strategies, David Saltzman. You know, there's a lot going on in PBM land, and we talk about it frequently. But there are also companies that help employers solve a lot of PBM-centered problems without actually being PBMs themselves. And if that sounds confusing, it won't be by the time we're done talking with today's guest, John Zevzavagian, who is the president at RX Sense, is joining us today. John, thank you so much for spending some time with us. Thank you, David. I'm glad to be here, and uh, I'll do my best to explain what we do and how we support the marketplace. I have no doubt. Let's back up a little bit, though, and let's start a little bit with your background, because I think your path informs kind of what we're going to be talking about a little bit. Sure. Right. Uh, I'll go back. Uh, I'm a pharmacist. went to pharmacy school, and, and at the time when I went to school, there was no such thing as a PBM. And I had the opportunity to join a PBM in the 1990s. And that was a different time. It was around, you know, managing pharmacy claims, et cetera. And from there, I spent most of my career at CVS Health. I had the opportunity to work at Caremark. I was a sales leader. And then I spent the last nine years of my career at CVS Pharmacy working directly with all of the PBMs across the country, which was the payer relations team. So I had, you know, front row seat to, you know, the marketplace. It's um, a scary place to be sometimes. I know the world of PBMs can be, to use a nice word and say murky, or not necessarily as transparent mm-hmm. as one might like. So you guys created an organization that helps people manage pharmacy benefits. What exactly was the need? What's the problem that's being solved? Yep, right. Sure. So a couple things it's solved for. The industry, from a technology perspective, hasn't evolved since the 1980s and 90s. It's still using, you know, AS400 old green screens of just a lot of inefficiencies first. So the thing, one of the things that we've brought to bear is a modern cloud-based platform that brings efficiencies. So lower cost. Second, from a perspective, you called it murky, I'll call it transparent, is access to the understanding of your cost of goods. So In a sense, many PBMs have different models out there, and there's many of them that are traditionally priced or transparent. But our model, if our clients choose to access our cost of goods to have a transparent way to understand where their spend is at the pharmacy or the mail order or the specialty, and we enable them, we don't make any money on the share of that drug spend. It's a little bit different. So just level set for listeners and viewers, please. There are all different kinds of levels in the pricing of a drug from the time the, the manufacturer ships it out the door 
until the time it gets in my medicine cabinet. Can you give us kind of a, a little bit about what that journey is and who some of the people who touch that and maybe add value, maybe just add markup or add both are? Yeah, sure. So thinking about it from a, you know, I'll, I'll talk about a generic medication because at the end of the day, it's 90 plus percent of the prescriptions. And I can talk about specialty since that's the fastest growing. But from a generic perspective, there's multiple manufacturers out there. There is a bit of a trend going on in that world around consolidation, but ultimately that's the lowest, you know, cost unit from a price perspective. So the generic manufacturer produces the drug, usually purchased by a wholesale, managed through a wholesaler. So the big three in the United States are Cardinal Health, Amerisource Bergen, and McKesson, you know, three large public health companies. So they manage the supply chain, the product coming from manufacturer. So they take a piece of that value that you referenced, David. So they're playing wholesaler, sort, you know, holding the medication and then providing that medication to a retail pharmacy. So there's a bit of a markup, not a lot, you know, because there's so much transaction, but they take a piece of it. The, the pharmacy buys that price, buys that drug at a set price, and then they sell it to either a customer, which on a cash pay basis, which is a small percentage, but usually the middleman of the PBM is the one that's managing on behalf of an employer, a health plan, the reimbursement of that generic drug. So to close the loop, manufacturer makes their money on the wholesaler buying the drug. Pharmacy buys through the wholesaler. So they make a little spread. Pharmacy has it, call it a dollar. And then the PBM provides a reimbursement for that drug. And from that perspective, you know, there's, there's a margin percentage that the retailer keeps and then the PBM either passes that value on at 100% to their client, who's the employer or health plan, and they may charge an admin fee, so they take a small piece. Or in the world of what they call traditional pricing or spread pricing, they may mark that up and then sell it to the, you know, pass that markup on to the employer. And then you have things like AWP and rebates. Where do those fit into that puzzle? Yep. On a generic drug, there are no rebates, so it's it's usually priced at an AWP perspective. So, you know, I always argue, one could argue if they're buying the drug at 95 off AWP, if it's a dollar, they're paying a nickel. Like the wholesaler will get it for 98 off AWP. The pharmacy may buy it off the wholesaler for 95 off, so there's a nickel. Then the PBM will reimburse the pharmacy minus 85. So that 10 cents is what the pharmacy would make. And it's all relative. So it would be in dollars, but using cents. And then that discount of the 85 off the 95 is what the plant sponsor, the employer, or the health plan would pay on average with the PBM being in the middle of that infrastructure. On rebates, it's a little bit different. And I'll talk about that. That's for branded drugs. And usually today, the fastest growing part of, of the branded is specialty drugs, but let's call it brands. So a little bit different. The PBM negotiates directly with the drug manufacturer for formulary placement on their formulary. And what that means is there's access. So if Eli Lilly and Novo Nordisk have two competitive insulin products that the PBM Optum, Express Scripts, Caremark, Magellan, whoever it may be, will negotiate with Eli Lilly, the other, to make them the preferred formulary agent. And then they negotiate what they call a rebate. 
So if it costed, I'm making up the numbers, call it $100, they may negotiate a rebate for $25. So the overall cost goes down for that product, for the formulary placement. From there, the employer health plan will set up their plan design, which is usually a copay. So you may have a, a brand copay of $100 as an example for your Eli Lilly insulin. But you can't get the Novo Nordisk insulin because you would have to pay 100% of the AWP, which may be $500. So what the PBM is doing on behalf of the manufacturer's driving market share to the preferred agent, they make the $25, the PBM, and then they either sh they'll share that back to the buyer, the employer, or the health plan. So they may keep a percentage of that rebate for their administrative services, and then it's up to the employer to either keep that whole dollar amount and you know subsidize their employee benefit or pharmacy benefit. It seems like there's a whole lot of little corners in all of those relationships where a few pennies here and a few pennies there and maybe a few dollars there can get stuck and maybe not become readily apparent. Is, is that the kind of problem that you work on solving? That's right, right? So in months of all of that supply chain, everybody's taking a piece of the action, right? And there's a lack of visibility into who is making those dollars and how much. What we bring to the table is that we pass 100% of that rebate onto our customer. Now, it's up to our customer to do what they need to do, but we're taking that inefficiency out. And one could argue like, well, John, how do you make any money if you're passing everything on? It's fee-based. So, you know, there's cost of doing business. We all agree to that. But we, you know, it's on an administrative fee or a service fee. So they get most of the value leveraging our relationships, our cost of goods, as well as our technology. And now a word from our sponsor. It's a fact. Salespeople and organizations lose opportunities because they don't clearly communicate their value. In today's market, your story is your message. It should be crystal clear, perfectly arranged and precisely targeted to attract the clients you want. As a certified story brand guide, we use the exclusive SB7 process to create that story and the websites and collateral that deliver it. If your message isn't cutting through the noise, we can help. Visit us at shiftshaperstrategies.com to learn how we can help you find, clarify, and deliver a message that wins clients, crushes sales goals, and builds your practice. In sales, if you confuse, you lose. So learn more and schedule that call today at shiftshaperstrategies.com. That's shiftshaperstrategies.com. And now back to our discussion. One of the things that's been a problem, especially for self-funded plans for a long time, is getting real good analytics and data. Because the first thing you learn when you go from being fully insured to being self-insured, other than you're not really betting the entire farm because they're other folks looking out for parts of the farm, but you, you learn that the data rules everything, including not only informing you about where your spend is, but about helping you make intelligent, informed decisions to move forward and create a better product for your employees. You also learn where you're not getting that data, and then you start wondering, okay, well, why am I not getting it? So two-part question, why aren't folks getting data in the normal course of the scheme? Because it just lends itself to this, okay, there's a game being played, because they won't let me see what's going on behind the curtain. 
And second, what kind of data do you help provide for employers and how does that inform their decision making? Okay, it's a three-part question. I lied. (laughs) No, that's great. I'll just share a story around one of our customers that we we started this journey back, it was two plus years ago. They were utilizing a health plan. They own their own pharmacy, had their own specialty pharmacy, and they were using one of the big three for PBM services. They had over 90% of their scripts being filled in their own pharmacies, including specialty, but they could not access their data. They were self-funded and they could not get to understand where the spend was happening. They would get a bill and they would understand there's X number of people that they're spending a lot of money on, but no visibility. So as they kind of unwound that relationship, they went self-funded. We've worked with them over the last nine months and providing, or 11 months, providing that level of data. And what that data does for them is to understand where they're spending their money and who they're spending their money on. But more importantly, what do they do differently going forward to help manage maybe the utilization? Most of these drugs are appropriate, right? If somebody's got a catastrophic disease, you want to make sure they get their drug at the right time. So it's not about stopping It's about how do I make sure it's appropriate and then how do I best manage that and then develop programs around that. So one of the tools that we have is called RxIQ. And within an hour of a paid claim, we have that through our data warehouse. We make that data available to our customers so they can either manage their financials and manage their clinical programs. So for example, David, you being in a self-funded world in your history, you know, when somebody is diagnosed with diabetes, it is very, it's a very life-changing event. And you do need a lot of support around the care of a diabetic, especially if you're getting diagnosed you're on the elderly side and you have to take insulin. It's traumatic. So what our tool does is we could set up rules that says newly diagnosed diabetic based on these drugs, please please email the plan for any new diabetic starts. So once that's around, our customer, as an example, owns pharmacies and has over 100 dietitians on staff because nutrition is, is as important than getting the right drug. All of a sudden, I give them actionable data that says, oh, John is a newly diabetic. Let me get him in our diabetes program to help manage his life. And can I help him not just on the drug, but maybe nutrition or counseling. So that's the value of data to really solve a, a clinical challenge that happens all, you know, every hour all day long. Over the long term, can you help employers save money as well? For sure, right? So a couple things. We talked about transparency. So, you know, there is waste in the system around folks making margin or spread around both the retail pharmacy, the rebates. So you're giving them, you know, the true low net cost perspective. So that's one. Two, we could tailor programs to meet their needs instead of buying an off the shelf program or understanding their data. We can partner with them around the appropriate utilization. And we have other third party partners that we bring in to help them on that front since we're not a PBM but we have other, you know, I would say partnerships around clinical management, utilization management. And then the third is specialty, ensuring that they get the right price point, that they get the right utilization management program around that. And we've done, a, I think, a pretty good job over the last year bringing best-in-class solution around specialty pharmacy providers. And we're independent. We, 
you know, our customer, we don't care if it's filled by, we don't own it. So if somebody, you know, wants to use their own or, or has a preference, we're best in class. And that, that's what we're bringing uh, to our customers. You know, it's specialty is particularly interesting. And I've had employers ask me a question that I haven't been able to answer. So maybe you can shed some light on it. If somebody's taking a, a drug, let's say for arthritis, and there are a number of them, Anvil, Humira, et cetera, mm-hmm. the drug is incredibly expensive. And yet the manufacturer has a program that says, if you're using Enbrel or Humira or one of these other drugs, Cosentix or whatever, we can help limit your copay to just 25 bucks. Where's all that money coming from? And where's it going to? I'll do my best to answer that question. The redefined print, it's not for government programs and for right. customers who are or who do not have insurance, but there has been a trend around copay accumulator programs. And many of the large PBMs have the program, as well as the small and mid-sized PBMs have these copay accumulator programs where they are partnering with the pharmaceutical manufacturer to buy down that cost of the drug. So it's really pharma is the one that is is supporting that program. It's kind of thinking about it as almost an, almost an anti-rebate strategy where they want to get that lowest net cost to the customer, but not every PBM wants to do that, right? They want to be able to ensure that they're driving to the share. So there is, we're seeing from our customers, a couple of PBMs that have been moving in that direction since the market is moving in that direction. It's just, interesting. It it gives all the wrong impressions to the folks who ought to have the right impressions. And while it certainly is nice to not have to come out of pocket a ton of money for a $5,000 a month drug, you also start wondering, gee, who's awash in so much money that they can afford to buy this down for me? And how's it going as an employer? How's it going to affect my plan? Where's that money? You know, Uwe Reinhardt, when he was at Princeton, talked about hydraulic medical economics and he talked about it like a big U-shaped tube, and if you push the liquid down on one side, it goes up on the other. So employers, I think rightly so, wonder, okay, well, is it coming up on my side? How do you keep track of that? How do you figure out that you're not getting killed by helping one of your employees? It's a total challenge, right? Specialty by itself because of the catastrophic and the cost, the high cost. I would say there is not a solution today, a silver bullet. I think that's why you see a lot of the coalitions of large purchasers try to help their business partners that are part of their coalition to ensure that they have the best deal for them. So you have these purchasing coalitions, you have others in the market, like the purchasers business group on health has launched their own PBM called Amsana RX with the goal of providing more transparency and other types of services. You know, even with the, I don't know if you want to call what's going on in DC around, you know, a lot of the pharmacy or PBM or host drug manufacturer bills that are potentially going to come through. I think there was a little bit of a delay last night into today, but ultimately, you know, I think that's the first pass around, you know, direct contracting for Medicare on the top 25 drugs, limiting the inflation on those drugs. You know, if that's successful, I don't think it shuts down the industry, but it will be, you know, put some type of caps around the growth or the out of control growth in, you know, those cost of treatment. We've got just about a minute left. Where do you see this going? Where do you see the whole pharma industry going? Because it, it's now such a significant part of overall claim spend that it, you know, it's troublesome and it's worrisome for employers and for plans. 
I don't see it ever changing in the next, well, I shouldn't say ever, the next three to five years. I think there'll be incremental changes like you're seeing with Medicare and the top 25 drugs that will probably, you know, transition over to the commercial. So I think that's one. I still think there's value that PBMs and specialty pharmacies play because, you know, if you keep patients out of the hospital, you know, there's a large, you know, spend over there. But I think it needs to be the right balance of economics. And, you know, there could probably be a reset around how much, you know, these publicly traded companies make from a PBM. So that's why you see new entrants like ourselves who are trying to, you know, be a little bit more efficient at a lower cost, but bringing value. So I would say there's probably going to be some more transparency. And with that transparency, we'll probably bring the cost of some of those services and drugs down. And all of those are good things and a great place to end our conversation for today. John Zevzavagian, who's president of Rx Sense. John, thanks so much for spending some time and for explaining some stuff to the audience. Thank you, David. Good to be here. The Shift Shapers podcast is a production of Shift Shaper Strategies and may not be reproduced or quoted in whole or in part without our express written permission. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved.